Hi, welcome back to the study. I'm your host, Andrew Wilson. Um, today, we're going to be diving into a little bit of a deeper subject pool, uh, talking about where is God in our times of strife and struggle. Uh, and we're going to be going over uh, satisfaction through Christ. Uh, back with me today is the guest host from last week, John Paul. And we're just going to go ahead and dive right into scripture so we can go ahead and get right into the big topics of the day. Our scripture reading comes from Jeremiah 2, verses 4 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord, you descendants of Jacob, all you clans of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me, that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. But you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priests did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, following worthless idols. This is the word of God. Um, And what I take away from this message is God's frustration with the people of Israel, which he has quite often in the Old Testament because of what he gives to them and then their um, uh, dissatisfaction with what he has provided for them. And I think that kind of goes into our own issues today uh, with never really being satisfied by the material where it doesn't matter what God provides in our life, we just don't find that satisfaction. And the only thing that seems to satisfy the Christian heart is the pursuit of Christ. At least that's what I have come to understand uh, in my own walk, where all these material possessions, they they fade away. This world fades away. Nothing ever satisfies the heart like Christ. Um, and I've heard countless people who, you know, weren't believers and then became believers, and they said the same thing, that this is where they have found true satisfaction, that before this they felt empty and they had nothing, and God fulfilled that hole in their life. Um And we'll be diving a little bit more into that later. And also from the scripture, what I kind of pull away from is this other frustration of the people of Israel only coming to God when things are going well. Um, They love God when he's saving them from captivity in Egypt. And then they don't, you know, they don't like God or they want to worship other gods in time of strife because God isn't providing for them anymore. Uh, and how dangerous that becomes. And that's a super big frustration for God throughout the entire Old Testament is this feeling that Israel just does not care about him in the bad times because they worship gods when they want good things to happen. When bad things happen, they don't care about God anymore. They're wondering why God isn't giving them the good things that he was once giving them. And from this, I kind of pull away the idea of um, human development that we develop through pain and through struggling and through strife, if things were only ever going well in our lives, what point would there be for a God? Why would we ever need God in our lives if everything was always good? Um, And if everything was always good, there would be no need for salvation because everything was perfect. No one would ever do anything wrong. Um... And though this is a pretty deep theological issue of why bad happens, um, I think we can kind of shrink it down to the bare essentials of 
bad happens and we grow from that bad. We develop from the bad. And that's not necessarily saying that God lets bad happen to let us grow. But I think that's something that we should take into account when bad does happen. And it's not a situation of where is God? Why did God let this happen to me? But necessarily, but it is something of where can I, but it is a place of where can I grow from this? And sometimes though, that's very painful and it's hard to think that way. And and I'm not saying that every issue that we overcome those issues and we grow from them and we learn and that we develop from those issues. Sometimes those are things that weigh us down and that can also bring us closer to God. But sometimes it leads us away from God as well. And uh, today that's kind of the topic we're going to be diving into is the balance between what leads us to God and what takes us away from God and how we can grow from our pains and our struggles and our strife. Um, after this quick break, we'll be back with our first topic and uh, John Paul will be on the show and we'll see if we can unpack this verse a little bit more. Welcome back to the study. I'm your host, Andrew Wilson. Uh, like I said, with me today is John Paul. Um, John, thanks for being on the show again. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Um, all right. So I, you knew about the verses ahead of time, uh, so no need to re, you know, go over those verses, but uh, kind of give your take on Jeremiah uh, 4 through 8 and how you took uh, those verses. Right. So uh, the important thing to know is uh, if you're not entirely familiar with the Bible, a lot of the named chapters are minor prophets. So these are people that were called upon during the time after Israel was divided into Israel and Judea. And they were both, they both had kings at different times that were inherently wicked. And the people in both of those countries were being drawn away from God. So um, one of the big things that kept happening was it's the same pattern that happened in Judges where they would fall away from God. And then when bad things would happen to them, they'd be like, well, why is, where's God? Why is he ignoring us? And so what Jeremiah is addressing in these chapters is that um, they didn't ask those things really ever anymore. They kind of just put God out of their minds. They decided that he wasn't the big God. It was Baal or whatever uh, minor or, major Canaanite god they decided that they would worship. I think the other major one was Asherah. So they were uh, starting to ignore God and push him away. And Jeremiah came into Judah. uh, So that's the lower kingdom. And um, he preached and prophesied to them for about, uh, it was something like 40 years. Okay, I I actually didn't know a lot of that history, so uh, we need to do a whole episode on uh, Bible history. Um, yeah, it's pretty lit. Yeah. Uh, now, going from that, some of the things that I kind of pulled from it were God's frustration with um, the unsatisfaction uh, of the Israelites. Right. And how it didn't seem that whatever he did for them that was good, whatever bad happened their dissatisfaction would just come back and they felt, you know, this 
like, oh, well, you know, that God was, you know, he was good for this moment, but now we're going to go to this God because we want some other good things to happen. And, you know, bad things are happening right now. So obviously this God isn't really looking out for us right now. Right. Um, I guess and that kind of brings us to the first point of why God doesn't intervene in everyday life. Right. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of let you take the uh, the first swing at this. Okay. So uh, the biggest thing that people seem to like count out is the fact that humans have free will. So we were given free will by God because if we were just mindless robots who worshipped him, there would be no point to it. We wouldn't be showing him genuine love. It would be the same as, well, like I said, just kind of a robot. You're just kind of doing whatever he says, and that makes it worthless. Right. So whenever you have free will, that means that not only are you free to love God, but you are free to hate God. You are free to do good, and you are free to do evil, and that is your prerogative. So whenever bad things happen... Um, it's not really God so much as it is other people. And God could step in and intervene, but then that would defeat the point of free will. Um, free will is key to us being human. And if God is steps into the equation too much or too often, then he's removing your ability to choose because then it's just obvious. And if it was just obvious, then it would be pointless. Uh, exactly. And the other side of that is the concept of God's assistance through prayer. And I think people overlap the two um, where they want God to intervene in everyday life because they see that he intervenes when things have been prayed for. Um, but sometimes that issue also exists when things do get prayed for and there is no answer or, uh, there's no healing. Um, and you can look at like extreme situations like major tragedies where, uh, people were praying during the tragedy and it didn't, didn't seem like anything was changing. Um, and you know, where do we see God there? Because there are, there are points where, you know, we pray for something and God does intervene and he does, you know, make a change. Uh, and where do we see God then when there is no intervention through prayer? Yeah. Um, so the big thing there is the major argument is that God is there and he's giving you the strength to deal with the issue. Um, in a lot of ways, like the big analogy is that we are children of God. And as a parent, sometimes you have to let your kid um, learn for themselves and act for themselves. Right. You can you can tell your kid as many times as possible to not touch the hot stove, but they're not going to learn that the stove is hot until they touch it themselves. You know. Um, so sometimes it's just a learning experience, and that's in the smaller things. In the bigger things, a lot of times, it's simply because people are acting against people or it's just random, you know, um, God put in rules to the world. That's why we have laws of nature and things like that. Thermodynamics, stuff like that. And so things like earthquakes and volcano eruptions and hurricanes and all those things are just natural things that are happening. 
and people will try to think of those things as evil, but they're not really evil. They're just things that happen and bad things can come from them and good things can come from them, but it's not really um, an act of God. Like obviously God put in the, the framework for those things to be possible uh, because they're necessary or they're a result of something else, but it isn't God striking down people per se necessarily. Uh, right. Not every not every city is Sodom and Gomorrah, and not every city is. Uh, I guess the best one to say is like uh, Vienna, whenever they were being laid to siege, and the people called upon God, and uh, the reinforcements were able to find a new way to come in and save them. You know, uh, that happened back during the time of the Ottoman expansion. Uh, I think what's also important to remember, um, a lot of people point out stuff like death and they, you know, they blame God. Like, why did this person die? Like, why did God let this person die? And I don't want to be insensitive about this topic because I think this is a an issue that lays on a lot of people's hearts very heavily. Um, but being someone who has experienced death in their life, uh, you know, with someone very close to them, um, when my mother died, uh, it's I feel like we kind of forget that death is one per customer. Uh, it's not an avoidable thing. We all will eventually die. Um, and though sometimes it seems like people were taken away from us too soon, um, I know in the case of my mother at least, she made a lot of difference while she was here. And it kind of felt like she had come to peace with the concept of death. Um, and not everybody gets that chance. And I'm very aware of that, that, you know, some people, it they're not prepared to die or when they die, uh, you know, it's just random. It feels like, but I feel like it's very easy to look at that and say, Oh, God just took them away from us for no reason. Um, and so, and you know, we don't know the reasoning of God. We are just human. We cannot comprehend the reasoning of God. Uh, but I feel like to look at that situation and anytime someone dies say, well, God obviously doesn't care about me or he doesn't care about other people. If he lets people die, well, I, I just, I can't agree with that. Yeah, uh, that's that's a big thing that you come to terms with, especially uh, like I mentioned in the last episode, I am in the military. And one of the big things that you have to accept, especially in the, the combat arms jobs, the jobs that are on the front line, the guys that are most likely to get shot at and all that, which I'm one of those uh, jobs, you kind of have to come to terms with that. You know, it's just there's not really a negativity to it. Dying isn't the end. It's the end here. It's the end physically, but it isn't the end spiritually. Uh, you, you have more going on than just your physical body, you know? Right. This um, world fades, material fades. We have a, there, life goes on after this. Right. And whether you die to some disease or you die to, killing you or you just fade away whenever you're older 
it's just going to happen. It's an inevitable thing. And I would say in, in that respect for, you know, Christians, uh, the point of our existence is that we don't know when we're going to die and just live a life that you can be happy about when you die. You know, try to right. make a difference in the world that you want to see. Spread the word of God. Um, and, you know, for some people, I feel like this answer isn't something that they want to hear. This isn't going to be something they, they listen to and they're like, okay, that was satisfying. No, they're going to they're gonna hear this and they're not going to be very happy with that. And that's totally understandable. Um, but it's kind of, it's, in our belief, it's kind of the truth. We live a life that we can look back at and be proud of. But knowing at the end of the day, we don't live here forever. Uh, and pointing at death and saying, well, where is God when people die? Uh, it, it's just not, it doesn't seem like a valid uh, accusation of God's goodness. Right. Uh, I mean, you could you could argue that some to some people, God's goodness is in letting them die. You know, if somebody's in if somebody's in pain, if somebody's experiencing something terrible, then there are, there are times where passing away and uh, releasing yourself from your physical body is the best option. You know, right? But want somebody to live forty years where they're just and some people do want to live this time where they're they're needing to go to the hospital and they're needing to receive treatments and they're needing to do all these things and they're all they wake up and they're always hurt and they're only a sustenance for removing that pain is medication. But you know, that's just that's just kind of the grind of life. That's a consequence of us falling, a consequence of human failure to be perfect because we can't be perfect and since we're not perfect uh things happen to us you know and they're not even i wouldn't even really call them bad things they're just consequences um now i feel like this is probably a a good segue into our next topic uh because i don't really know when a good moment there would have been to go into the next one uh but sort of dragging right. along to why god doesn't intervene in everyday life and everyday struggles um why doesn't god just reveal himself to the world um when it comes to people you know not believing in god and having issues with believing in god even as christians uh you know when we doubt and we struggle why god just doesn't reveal himself and sort of what you said with the idea of free will i feel like it all kind of comes back to that where if God just revealed himself, then everybody would believe. Right. At least that's that's the perception, is that everyone would believe in God if he revealed himself as God. Right. Um, which sometimes I kind of take issue with that. Like, would we actually fully believe in God, even if he revealed himself, or would people still try not to believe or to say that he isn't who he claims to be? Right. Well, I mean, there are people who ignore reality. You know, they... They're, they're presented with facts and truths, and then they're just like, no, those are wrong. That's not what – That's I disagree with that. So I don't think everybody would, but if God revealed himself in like a show of force and he tore asunder the heavens and he descended down upon us with an army of angels and he would be like, I am God, then, you know, you'd kind of be – you'd be forced to believe like – 
he's omnipotent and omniscient. He's all knowing and all powerful. Like if he, if, if he revealed himself and you were like, no, that's not true. And he struck you down because you, you still denied him. Like that's, that's just removing the point. Like, like I said earlier, there's, there's a reason. And obviously I, I don't pretend to totally understand God because he's God, but you know, it's like the, the easiest way to think of it is like, it's like uh, Santa Claus, I guess, in an easier way. I hate to break it to you. I, I don't know if you know this, Drew, but Santa Claus is not real. Stop it right but, now. But, um, I don't believe that. But, you know, the whole thing about it is that, like, if in those theor- in like movies and stuff where it's like, well, Santa Claus is real and there are some people who know it, but most people don't, they, they have to believe it. Well, that's that's the point is that you're if you if you're just there and you're just in front of people, then of course they have to believe you. But then that's just, that's just removing it. You know, that's not making it uh, special because you're in a special relationship with God uh, whenever you, you accept him and you believe in him. Right. And you know, some people could point out Jesus and be like, okay, well there were people who didn't believe when Jesus performed miracles. And that's not really what I'm trying to get at here. I'm saying if God legitimately reveals himself in his glory not coming back down as man and trying to convince people of him being god of the legitimate god coming down and revealing himself um though it i feel like to a christian it would be impossible to say okay god isn't real if he's legitimately revealing himself but part of me still thinks that people would argue with that they'd be like okay well i don't know if that's actually god it could be an alien yeah, it could be an alien. It could be. It couldn't. It could be something else. You know, it 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 doesn't have to be Yahweh. It could be Buddha or whatever. It's, right. it's somebody, and um, you know, that's just that's not uh, that's not. It's in our nature to doubt because we are, uh, and it depends on whether you believe on evolution or not. But even if you don't, then um, you believe that God created instincts for you. Uh, and in a way he did even through evolution, because that was something that he set forward. If you do believe that, um, you know, we have instincts and we have them for a reason. And we're taught to, we, we learned, uh, to doubt things and to be suspicious because, uh, the world is dangerous, you know? So people are concerned about being deceived. Uh, exactly. And now also part of God, not revealing himself to the world I mean, if you read scripture and you're, you know, really taking this walk with Christ, part of God not revealing himself is the fact that he wants your pursuit. Um, Right. He wants people to follow him and revealing himself for one, like we already said, that kind of negates free will because everybody would kind of be forced to believe that God was real. If he came down and said, I am the God of Christianity, uh, and this is all true, and he does all these miraculous things to show that he is God, that takes away the walk and the free will, and it takes away um, our pursuit of him, and then it just becomes us following him because he proved to us that he's God. There's a level of faith in our walk, and that's kind of the point of Christianity with why God just doesn't reveal himself. I think a lot of people take right. issue with that, but that is the truth. 
Um, that's all over scripture is that this is a relationship. Like I said in the first episode, and the point of relationship is that it's give and take. Um, and if God just gave or he gave everything, uh, there would be no take left. Yeah. It would be, it would be a one-sided relationship. Uh, Right. And I just feel like it's part of the walk. It's part of us growing. Um, and in the sense of there would be no growing left. If everything was perfect, if God revealed himself, no bad ever happened in the world, there would be no human development left because we'd be good. Right. And also if everything was good, and I kind of said this in the intro, I'm just kind of remembering coming back to it. If everything were good, would there really be a like a necessity for a God? Yep. Like, we we wouldn't need God if we were fine. We come right. to God in our moments of strife. Right. Uh, and that's that's a big issue that a lot of Christians have, I know, where uh and obviously it's it's a big issue that Israel had going back to the Jeremiah passages that they would only they would only call on God whenever things weren't going good. If if they were if they were fine, if they weren't being enslaved, if they weren't like being dominated by somebody else or something else, then they, they would just ignore him. Um, and that's just something that people do. Cause a lot of people will think of God as like a fix all, you know, they'll think of him as, uh, something that only really needs to be used whenever a bad thing is happening or and a permanent genie. Right. Yeah. They, he's, he's in, he's in your little lamp. He's in your little Bible that you keep on your, your corner, your bedside corner. And uh, you only really need to call on him whenever you want one of your wishes granted. And that's it. And that's not the point of the relationship. You know, uh, it's important to stay consistent. Well, that's also something that comes back to prayer, too. Um, when people only pray in times of need, it's not just that they because there are people who have great faith in God and they they have, you know, no doubt that God exists, but they still only pray when they need something. It's not a uh, prayer of thanks or, you know, a prayer of gratitude. It's generally just prayers of necessity. Right. Um, or it's just I, prayers of asking. Right. You know? and, it, and it feels like that's kind of the majority of what we do now. Instead of just going to God when things are going fine and be like, thanks, God. You know, I appreciate that you're looking out for me and keeping everything good. Uh, we only want to go to God when it's like, God, where are you? Why aren't things good? I'm kind of frustrated. Um, right. And there's a way of going about that. You know, at my church, we, we're going over kind of the topics of is God good? And there's a way to go about that. There's a there are prayers of lament in the Bible. Uh, there's a, there right. are prayers where you can be angry at God. There is nowhere in the Bible that tells you you can't have anger with God. Like oh yeah, there are times that I have been in my car driving an open prayer and I'm screaming at God, frustrated and mad about what something going on in my life. And I feel like uh, the common misconception in Christianity is that we can't be mad at God. Because, yeah. well, God has a purpose for everything, so we can't be mad about it. No, I mean, yeah, we can believe that God has a purpose for everything, but that doesn't mean we're not mad about it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you can you can know that something's happening and that there's a point to it and still not like it. Like, right. You're, you're, your own motivations, and obviously that's important for God, uh, is that you are, you are your own person. And so because you're your own person and you have your own personality and your own sense of things— if something's going on that you don't like, 
Uh, it's not necessarily bad. I don't. I, I want to be careful about this because obviously, I there's a difference between being frustrated or not understanding and being frustrated at you not understanding God and just being outright hateful and vindictive. You know. True. So it, it's something that you need to be careful about. But there's there's no negative thing to. Uh, being mad at God or even even wondering if God exists, you know, I have friends who are uh, who don't believe and whenever they have discussions about it, obviously, there there's a part of me that uh, is doubtful. But you know, that's that's just part of it is you you don't really necessarily uh, have to try to think of the word always agree, you just need to follow, you know, he, he's your thing. I know that some people don't have like good parents and obviously this doesn't account for them, but you know, whenever your whenever your parents tell you that you need to eat your vegetables, <laughs> you don't, you don't like broccoli, but right. it's good for you. So yeah. you, you're not a fan of it. You don't want it. Uh, it's, it's not necessary, but it's good if it happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and, um, also following up with that in a relationship with another person, whether it's a friendship or you know, a romantic relationship, there will be struggle and strife. There are going to be times where you're not going to get along with that person. There's going to be times when things happen and you're frustrated. Right. Growing in that relationship, part of that is arguing. Right. Not, and, and even if you know that person is right, but you're still kind of mad about it, um, we can know that God is right, but we can still be mad about it. Yep. Um, and we, if we're looking at this as a relationship, we have to have that freedom to voice our concerns and our frustrations to grow. We grow through that. And so when we talk to God and we're like, okay, I see what's happening here. I'm not okay with this. You know, show me why this is happening or when you tell god okay i see this but i need you to fix this first whether it's about me or about somebody else you know god wants that he wants us to talk to him and have open conversation about the things that concern us right i mean even even jesus you know, because he was fully man and fully human and he was separate from God while still being God whenever he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying before the crucifixion. He was asking, is is there some other way that this can be done? Because if there is, please do that. I don't want to die. Right. I don't. It's going to hurt. It's going to be extremely painful. It's going to be extremely negative for that to happen. But at the same time, even if you're disagreeing, you have to be like, well, I don't like it, but, you know, your will be done first. If it works with my will, then please. But if it if it doesn't, then that's just the way that it is. Exactly. All right. So we're going to take a short break. And then when we come back, we will dive into our uh, next set of topics uh, for the discussion. All right. Welcome back to the study. I'm your host, Andrew Wilson. Um, so coming back from our break, 
uh, we're going to divert a little bit from uh, the scripture and those topics, and we're going to kind of go into some new topics, um, two quick ones to end the show on. Uh, and so the first one is um, the difference of the monotheistic religions when it comes to measuring up. Um, right. And so kind of what I wanted to say about that, and then JP, you can uh, come in from there. Um when it comes to the difference that Christianity brings to the table, uh, and, mo- and, and not even just you know Christianity, uh, Catholicism has this issue too of measuring up of how much can I do to get into heaven? Like, what can I provide to get into heaven? Uh, you know, Christianity provides a different out in that sense than right. uh, other you know, whether you want to call them monotheistic religions or Abrahamic religions, um, you know, with Islam and uh, even in Catholicism with the ideas of purgatory, uh, there's a sense that you, you know, you don't know if you've done enough when you die to get into heaven. Right. Um, what What is your, uh, your take on, on that? Uh, so it makes me think of something that my mom used to say to me whenever I would complain about something not being fair. And it's, uh, if life isn't fair, of course life's not fair. If life was fair, then we'd all be going to hell right now. Uh, right. Because we are fallen. And one sin in God's eyes is the equivalent of all the other sins because it's just sin. It's just, it's, it's disgusting. It's bad. So uh, even if you don't realize it, you sin pretty much constantly during the day uh and it's just something that kind of happens you know you you have a negative thought or you are thinking about something that's wrong and or you want to do something that's wrong and because of that uh you can't really measure up to god because god's perfect um we are what we are and i'm not saying that it's okay to sin obviously it's not you should the the point of uh repentance is that you're trying to make yourself better but you you can't you can't be perfect um there there's no real way to do it back in the old testament you know with judaism because uh, i know that you mentioned catholicism and islam but in judaism you know you you would sacrifice things and that was the way that you would you would cover up uh, your sin but you never really got rid of it uh it was just always there you know and so um you're you're always going to fail you can't really undo the things that you've done to any large extent and because of that you know uh if if our requirement was that we needed so many uh good boy or good girl points to get into to get into heaven the brownie points um yeah uh then we would never be able to to measure up because it it's it's impossible we're fallen we're failed we've we've failed god didn't fail us we failed him right and despite that he's merciful and loving and beyond that he's just and because of that he knows that we are failing so he gives us a a way to i don't want to say it's like a get out of jail free card but to some extent it is and obviously uh one of one of the big things I know that people have uh, against Christianity is it's like, well, uh, I I believed in God, I accepted Jesus, therefore I can do whatever I want. 
but that's that's not really it you know if you're disingenuous with it uh then no did you really accept god not really you know uh you you have to you have to make a concerted effort to uh to do to do good and it's not the fact that you are failing it is the fact that you are trying yeah and you know paul actually goes into that uh, i forget which letter it is specifically but i know he dives into the issue of people thinking okay well i'm saved through christ so i can do whatever i want uh yep. and it, and he speaks of okay yes you have that freedom but that's not the point um and right. if, if you are a follower of christ and you haven't read the letters of paul uh, even if you don't dive too much into the Bible, which I recommend you do, you really should go over the letters of Paul because that is like the foundation of our faith. Um, right. And it kind of, you know, demonstrates some some things that not every Christian tends to follow that we really should be looking into. Yeah. Um, and it's it's one of those things where uh, if you if you don't read the Bible, then the things that I'd recommend you reading are obviously Genesis is a good is a good book, uh, along with Judges uh, and the letters from Paul, and then obviously the the Gospel. That's where I think most people should start because if you if if you haven't read the Bible before and you try to start in Genesis, you'll be like, all right, Genesis, that's great, let's go, and then you hit Exodus and you're like, all right, sounds good, and then you hit Leviticus. I, I don't even know if you, you would get that far. I feel like you know, no offense to the Bible, but Genesis is kind of a hard read. Uh, I feel like once you get past the story of creation and that's like the really interesting dense part of Genesis, then you're like, Oh my gosh, there's just so much yeah. family history going on right now. Yeah, There's, there's a lot of family history going on and there's also a lot of, uh, metaphor in it, you know? Yeah. Um, a lot of there there's, and it's actually a, a relatively modern idea is to interpret the Bible like extremely directly. But before that it was decide it was, well agreed upon that a lot of the things are uh, metaphorical because we're trying to understand God and that's impossible to do. So take it at, take it as a metaphor, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of rough. A lot of this is also rough translation because it was in Aramaic and then it was in Greek and then it was in Latin and then it was in French or German or whatever. And then it was in English and, because of that, some things get kind of lost in translation. But you, but even despite that, there's a there's a lot going on in the Bible that's just kind of hard to get through. Well, and something that I was also trying to get to with Paul is that um, first with James, I feel like the ideas um, in Christianity about not being able to measure up enough come from James, mm-hmm. with misinterpretation of uh, without good deeds, faith is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we what we get wrong with that is that we don't pair that with the verse in Ephesians by Paul, where Paul says you are saved through faith alone. Right. That um, our faith saves us. And that is, you know, we can never measure up. That was the point of Jesus. Our faith in Christ is what saves us from damnation. Mm-hmm. Now, what James is saying, where faith without good deeds is dead. Good deeds aren't what gets you into heaven. But I feel like some sects of Christianity believe that, that um, that's the idea of measuring up is you have to do enough good deeds to get into heaven while also believing in God. Where the, the, the issue is it's not the good deeds. It's that God 
can see your heart and he can see that you have changed and that you believe in him and you follow Christ. But no one else can see that because they can't see your heart. They can only hear your words and see your actions. Mm -hmm. So faith without good deeds is dead because to non-believers, um, if they don't see you acting on your faith, then your faith might as well be dead to the people around you. Yeah. I'd say um, a good metaphor for that is, uh, you're in a shipwreck and you're wearing a life vest. And so because you're out in the ocean, if you were just out in the ocean without the life vest, you would probably drown. You would be able to stay afloat for a little bit or maybe even not at all because you get dragged under. But you're wearing the life vest, so you're alive. But if you just float there like a dead fish and another boat comes by and they're looking for people who are alive to try to rescue them and they just see like a body floating there, then they're going to assume that you're probably dead, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're if you're swimming around, if you're trying to get to something else that floats, if you're moving around, if you're signaling, then uh, you're going you're going to be saved uh, physically. Exactly, and so that's kind of the concept of the measuring up that I feel like a lot of people get wrong, is that we aren't trying to measure up, and the idea of trying to measure up isn't what God had in mind, because right. He knew it was sort of the same way with the law, where you know that's a whole other topic for a different podcast. But in summary, in the book of Galatians, where Paul kind of tackles the idea that Jesus saved us from the law of Moses. Um, it's sort of the same concept there. It's something we could never live up to. We could not live up to the law of Moses. Uh, and that's what Jesus came to save us from. In the same sense of we could never live up to God's standards. So Jesus comes down to create a new covenant to let people into heaven easier because right. God loves us and he wants us to get to heaven. And he realizes that we are sinners and we are not going to get there very easily. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's uh, that's the my take on measuring up. Um, and now, uh, once again, the second topic, not a whole lot of easy transitions here, but uh, predestination. Um, oh, uh, boy. Yeah, and I, and I think this is a, a fun topic. There's a lot we can talk about here. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left. I don't want to, you know, overexceed an hour here. Um, but so if you don't understand predestination, it's the idea that uh, when you're born, God already knows whether or not you are going to heaven or hell. Right. Um, and I have a lot of issues with predestination because that in itself is a direct uh, attack against free will. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the big thing is that uh, God is on. I can't, I always get them mixed up. Is it omnipotent? That's all powerful and omniscient. That's all knowing. Y yes. Okay, God is omniscient, so he knows. He knows what's going to happen. But he is not the one who is influencing it. You are the one who is influencing it. You have the free will to do it. You have the free will to decide whether you want to cook today or you want to go and get McDonald's, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, you, you, you are the one who is directly acting upon that. Now, God already knows if you're cooking or if you're going to get McDonald's but it's you who makes the choice. Well, and now kind of how I feel about this whole situation is that I think there are different roads in life and God yeah. can see all of those choices and he can see <laughs> what you're going to do and where that will lead. And there is a path that follows him and what he wants you to do with your life. And there is a path that does not. Right. And, but there is never a point where those can't overlap. 
where right. you can't go into what he wants. And he is going to continuously try to get you back into his path. Even in Revelations, in the end times, there are verses that say, and the people still did not uh, come to God. Right. Which which means they still had the choice. Even till the very end, they could still believe in God. Mm-hmm. So that proves to me that um, that predestination can't be true because we have the choices throughout our lives. God knows a way that do- that we don't end up in heaven, and He knows a way that we do. And mm-hmm. that's the point of offering, you know, salvation is that He, without the salvation, we weren't going to get into heaven, but now we have it. So there right. already was a path without salvation that didn't take us there. Yeah. Um, which means now that there is a, a path and these two things can overlap. Um, what I think is interesting is that people, there are still people who follow predestination. And what I, and I feel like that's very dangerous mm-hmm. um, because it feels like at that point, it's a, everything that happens is, oh, well, that's God's will. And yep. that's not a great answer for some people. Um, whether that's the, you know, there, whether that's, there's truth in that or not, mm-hmm. uh, when any terrible thing happens and our immediate answer is, oh, well, that was just God's will. Well, there's something about that that doesn't feel right. Yeah. It's, you know? it's one of those things where, uh, he could force it, but he already knows that it's going to work out one way or the other. So he's not going to force it, you know, um, it, I'd say that the biggest the biggest thing is that predestination is you reading too much into the fact that God is omniscient. Right. And, you know, either way you slice it, it can put God in a box. We have to remember right. that God is capable of literally anything. Yep. And so, you know, I could be wrong, but also people who believe in predestination could be wrong. And there could be an answer that we just don't comprehend. The, go- yeah. the goal here is not putting God in a box. And even though I kind of feel like my mentality, you know, I, and I'm biased in this situation, but I feel like my mentality doesn't put God in a box. It gives him the freedom of however he chooses our life to go, um, where predestination kind of puts God in a box where he decides immediately if somebody will or won't go to heaven. But also, you know, if predestination is true, then what's the point? Right. You know, it's like, what, what is the point of trying to convert people to being Christians? Well, like what if, if they're already guaranteed in, right. Well, or what if, what if their life, they're not, they're just not going, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's the other end of that is okay. Well, what's the point of converting those people? They're just not going, you know, maybe right. they're just, and not. I'd say, I'd say that's the big key word there is that it's not him deciding it's him already knowing. Right. And I feel like that takes away from all the ideas of evangelism because there's no point. If everybody who is supposed to get into heaven, you know, is going to get there no matter what. Okay, well, what are we, why are we, you know, even trying to go and convince people to believe in God? Because if, you know, if God wants me to go do it somehow or another, I'll end up doing it. There's no, there's no sense of urgency because if they're not meant to be, they're not meant to be. And if they are, they are. That's right. that's my big issue with predestination. I'm uh, I'm glad we're we're kind of on the same page there. Um, yeah, I'd I'd say that that's it's just one of those things where uh, people are kind of overthinking it. They're trying to they're trying to make it uh, too easy. I I agree. Well, uh, JP, thank you for being on the show again. 
Uh, always a pleasure. And yeah. uh, we'll be right back after this break with our outro and our setup for uh, next week's episode. Thank you for tuning into the study. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and I hope that you gained something from this. Uh, remember to like and subscribe. And uh, if you are following me on any social media, I will always be posting, uh, asking for new topics. If there's anything you would like to hear about in the show, uh, feel free to you know send me a message saying this is something you would like for me to discuss. Uh, until next week, this has been Andrew Wilson. Thanks.